0: Well, hey, what's up, everyone? Pastor Mike here from Time of Grace. Uh, Excited to have you back with us for a Behind the Series podcast. And today on the podcast, we have a great friend, great partner in the ministry here at Time of Grace. Uh, We're going to be talking today with Mr. C.L. Whiteside. So C.L., lots of people listening, know you super well. Uh, Some of them love your work. A podcast we have at Time of Grace called The Non-Microwave Truth. But there might be a few people out there who have never heard of you, never seen you, don't know you. So in like one to 42 minutes, uh, give us the, the CliffsNotes version of CL Whiteside. Where are you from? C- what do you do? What are you passionate about? Uh, CL Whiteside,
1: Milwaukee, Wisconsin, assistant principal at a high school, coach football and basketball. And yeah, I'm glad to be here today. Awesome. Good to
0: have you. So CL, your podcast is called The Non-Microwave Truth, which... Uh, it's an interesting title. Tell me where that where that came from and what it means to you.
1: Well, I think about our, our culture a lot of times. It's like, how fast can I have it? Like, well, what is it? A lot of times people are searching for some type of truth, kind of like with the series that you're doing with the my truth, their truth, the church's truth. And it's like, but what is the, the absolute truth? So I think uh, the title came about because one, a lot of podcast titles are out there. But the non-microwave <laughs> truth is The idea of, all right, this is something that is going to take some time a lot of times. It's Mm. something you need to cook. It's something you need to digest. It's something you need to process. It's not going to just be quick and easy. Mm. Sometimes it's just more so understanding it will take time. Not a quick culture thing. Not an instant gratification thing. Delayed gratification. Boom.
0: That sounds really biblical. A seed can grow into a tree, but it takes time. Or a newborn child can grow to maturity, but it takes time. So you're kind of picking up on those biblical themes that God doesn't rush. He doesn't rush us to his blessings. The, the best things in life are worth waiting for.
1: Yep, they definitely are.
0: Boom. I heard a rumor once that I could do more push-ups than you. Is that? Can you confirm or deny that?
1: That's definitely not true. <laughs> that's that's crazy that you're already telling the not truth so far. Something that's not true. Uh, it's, if, uh,
0: obviously, this is an audio podcast, but I am one of the skinnier men in uh, the ministry, and CL is not. So... I'm working on it though. I actually did push ups this morning in my basement.
1: Good. I'm trying. I to got get...
0: I, I got to 20. Have you? Can you beat my record?
1: Yeah, I think I might be able to do that with a one arm. Oh, I I did, this know, was maybe. three sets total, 20. Okay. This one. <laughs> I, I expected more out of you though. <laughs> kind of disappointed. Yeah,
0: I'm built. God built me like a gazelle. I can run from danger. I can't. I'm not the lion to fight off the
1: danger. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: yeah, yeah. So we're uh, <laughs> we're talking about truth today. Uh, CL's podcast is called The Non-Microwave Truth, which is a great reminder that you know truth is a process. Uh, it's not easy, it's not quick, but God creates something really amazing for us in his word. And so we're going to be talking kind of behind the scenes of a new series we're about to launch here on Time of Grace that's really focused on that idea of truth. And it breaks down into three separate messages. We're talking about the concept of my truth, and secondly, the concept of their truth, what other people say. And the last week is on the concept of church truth. So, yeah, so how did thinking, you
1: how did you come up with those three categories, especially the last one, the, the church is truth? Ooh.
0: Yeah. So yeah, I was kind of, you know, thinking at a, a high level, you know, everyone believes something about everything. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's it's race and racism, whether it's government or covid or organized religion or sexuality like everyone at the end of the day there's a huge debate right there's you can find anything on the internet but at the end of the day we all think like no but this this is what solves it and so i was trying to come up with you know what are the top what are the top three places that people turn to as like the final vote and it I don't know if I'm right about this, but I thought some people look within, here's what I feel, what I think, what I believe, my truth. Uh, other people will quote like, well, I read because they said, or this survey said, so that's kind of their truth. Yeah. And other people will think of their church experience. Well, growing up, I believed, or my parents taught me, or my pastor said, or my, my priest said. So I kind of put those three together, that when people want to answer the big questions, they turn to themselves, to their community, or to their church
1: to figure out what's true. Yeah, that's definitely true, especially that that my truth. So I think about that, I don't remember hearing my truth a lot growing up and I don't even feel like I'm that old. I mean, I'm only 34. So why do you think that my truth even even came about? Yeah. Like, why do people put such an emphasis on, "Oh, this is my truth." <laughs> I like can you do that impression again? This is this, my truth. This is my <laughs> Yeah, it just
0: comes from within me. I'm not sure, but I got a I got a theory, so I want to run it past you. Here's my theory. My theory is that in culture, we just swing from one, it's like a pendulum. Like we go from one thing that's bad and in order to correct it, we swing right past like where God wants us to be and we end up with another thing that's bad. And so maybe here's my theory. What happened was when I was growing up, I was born in 1980. So I got a a couple of years on you. Like, I think of how common stereotypes were generalizations. I mean, when I was a kid growing up playing soccer, you just get mocked by the football guys, right? You're a, you're a lawn fairy. They would call us a field fairy. I was a, I was a dude who was in the musical. You know, you make fun of guys and, you know, guys are supposed to be like this and women are supposed to be like that. And I mean, even stuff with race and, you know, just stereotypes about all kinds of people was super common. And mm-hmm. And I wonder if it, what, what happened was we came to the realization, wait, that's bad. Like not all guys are like blank and not all women are like blank and not all Asian people or black people are spent, you know, whatever people are like blank. And so we, we move from this like stereotype idea to, to this idea that every person is unique and different and important. But maybe in the process, what we took with it is, oh, yeah, it doesn't matter the stereotype anymore. What really, really matters is you. So what, what do you think? Yeah. Do you feel? What's the truth inside of you? What's your authentic self? What's genuinely? Because once you speak from the heart, well, then here's, here's the new truth, not the stereotype, but your own emotions about it. So I, I think it's just like another example of the pendulum swinging from one extreme to the other.
1: I'm really offended by you. <laughs> I don't know why I think people just say that all the time, too. I, I'm offended. Like, why are you offended? I don't know. You said something I didn't like. So, yeah, that opposite end of the spectrum where one time is I don't want to be offensive at all. Then we have another end where it's like, I'm going to say whatever I want. So mm. it's, yeah, somewhere in the middle, probably. Yeah. And we are swinging in that direction of I'm offended and I need okay. to speak my truth all the time.
0: Yeah. Like, that's, that's a good the absolute truth. Way to point that out. Like, offense should end the debate. Yep. Like once you're offended, oh my goodness, well, then I'll stop making my points because if you're offended, then it can't be true. Well, Jesus, I don't know. You know the Bible as well as I do. Jesus offended one or two people <laughs> with his teaching.
1: Yeah, definitely. You have to, especially when you're really speaking that truth to people. Hmm. Hmm. It's okay to be a little offended. Yeah. So what, what people or groups popped in your mind that you felt you were trying to get to trust their truth? And you'd advise to move with caution, because I know sometimes we listen to so many different people, but what group of people pops up in your mind right away? We're like, "Ah, I would be cautious about listening to their truth.
0: Yeah, yeah. Good question. Um, I, I think the best answer to that is because of the fall into sin, we human beings are absolutely and constantly addicted to ourselves. So we want things our way. We don't want to change. We want everyone else to change. Like, I don't want to accept you how you are, honey. Like, I want you to change some things in this marriage. But I don't want. I don't want to change some things. You know, just love me. Don't try to change me. So there's this just human drive to make it all about us. And and so you're asking, you know, who would I cautious us uh, caution us from listening to? Is anyone who doesn't ask you to change? Correct. You know, if it's like have it your way. I mean, that's like classic. American marketing, like you don't have to order off the menu, whatever you want, we'll, we'll serve you. Um, I think that's kind of the itching ears. The new Testament talks about, you just want them scratched like, Ooh, yeah, that sounds good to me. It's, it's about me. And so if the church serves me and everyone else serves me, I'm very, very interested in that, but it's not, it might not be true.
1: So you, uh, you just sparked something in my mind, especially being a newly married man or not even married a year. How Hmm. do you tell your spouse or someone that you love, how do you speak the the truth to them or you don't di- you disagree with some truth that they might be absorbing like how do you point that out without make what I was saying like you need to change and put it all on them in a way like how do you do that in a loving loving christian way oh man
0: uh, well you've been married a year can i can no not I- even a year wow can I throw it back at you? Have you seen something either that that worked well when there was like a difference of opinion, or something that de- that
1: definitely you wish you could go back and do over again? Um, I think sometimes it's taking a step back and sharing it in a moment where we're maybe not ticked off at each other, or mm. it was like she just told me something was wrong with me, so now I got to tell you something. Let me let me tell you about yourself. <laughs> like, so it's yes. it's more so waiting into an opportune time versus uh, throwing another jab when you felt like you just got jabbed.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's hard to do, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. You you said something else too, like baby, you just don't know how good you got it sometimes. I just want to let my wife know that. Like, <laughs> yeah. yes. Oh man. So if your that's- wife is listening listening to this, Mike needs a massage probably tonight. Um <laughs> a dinner cooked for him. I don't know if you in the feet rubs and foot rubs or something like that, but I put in for you
0: this, now. This is I'm. Um, I've already given your podcast five stars, but I'm going to go <laughs> and create new accounts and give it more. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know what, marriage is a great example or family. How, when you need to correct someone because they're not living according to the truth, what's the best way to do it? I think preparing them for the hard thing, and then being patient as they process the hard thing. So, you know, if my wife came to me, cause I'm like doing something I'm, I'm unaware of. And, and if she came to me and said, Hey, can I talk to you about something? Uh, I'm kind of nervous about it. Cause it's going to be a hard conversation, but I'd I'd rather like not sweep this under the rug and okay, now I'm interested. And if she said something like, it's probably going to be hard to hear and you're probably going to be mad at me, but mm-hmm. you know, so she's kind of preparing me instead of just like, wow, blindsiding me and smacking me in the face. And then, because I'm human, I, I think she'd have to be patient with me. And my gut reaction is going to be to be defensive, and wow, you don't don't forget about this, 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 and you're not so perfect. At it. But I don't know. I don't know about you. When yeah. I'm in an argument, like, give me about an hour, and then the Holy Spirit kind of comes back to my heart.
1: <laughs> the correct spirit, yeah,
0: yeah. And I start thinking about it, and I, I do give it some thought. It's just not in the moment. So I think you can't expect too much in a confrontational conversation. I think. Humans are defensive and proud.
1: Give them some space. And the Holy Spirit will, will work on that truth in their heart. Yeah. So and it was on. a challenge. It was a challenge. I won't say what the challenge was, but there was a challenge you gave on the your truth episode. that I won't reveal, but mm-hmm. I already started thinking about like, all right, how could I execute this? Because it was like you created a space that allowed for this to, to happen where mm-hmm. people can speak the truth to you with love. So I won't yeah. say what the challenge is, but yeah, when they watch that that second episode, you're a truth. They'll probably understand what I'm talking about that challenge. Yeah, it's a good one. Definitely. Hmm. So how often do you have those uncut, raw, authentic conversations that get a, get a little heated? Ooh. <laughs> and now I'm not just talking about with your spouse, but just especially with um, your church members or people randomly that you meet. Yep.
0: I just had one of those last night after church, a man confronted me. Um oh man
1: to be Pretty honest
0: um I had a I had a prayer about black history month Gotcha And as I was talking about diversity and you know how far we've come in America how far we still have to go um yeah without saying too much I think he heard the word diversity and just I don't know some of these extreme views that can be non-Christian popped into his mind, um, and so he was yeah he kind of got in a headspace where he it, it was pretty intense, and then he sent me a a really long email kind of explaining himself. So yeah, I, I'm just uh, that was just a day or two ago. That yeah, I'm so how often that. do
1: you think that happens? Um,
0: not as often as you'd think. I, okay. I think what happens is m- most people like just they're either not fired up enough. They don't have the courage to like say it to your face. So I think a lot of people think it as I try to preach the truth. Um, I think it happens more online. You know, if you look at the YouTube comments or something,
1: you get the Twitter fingers and the Instagram fingers and comment. Yep. Yeah.
0: And I don't know if this is good or bad. I'm curious on your thoughts on this, but I, ne- I never get into online fights. People can like come at me hard in a comment section, but I, I never respond to those things. I just haven't seen it being fruitful in any, in any way.
1: Yeah. So- I think I took the bait once, but I wouldn't say it was an argument. I just more so dropped the whole video. Cause they, they took like a snippet of something I said and just put it on there, but I just dropped the whole video for other mm. people to come up with their own conclusion. Mm. Interesting. You know, yeah. It's one of those things. But when you brought up that diversity thing, it just made me think about my cousin called me out on one of the podcasts. I did. and She was like, you said blacks. So I was like, okay she was just talking about how for some people that is an offensive word and it's almost like a derogatory term. And I was like, oh, but I was, mm-hmm. I appreciated the fact that she did it because she did it out of love and she sure. even worded and said, I love you. But she said, she broke it down to me on why I was like, oh, never thought about that. Didn't know I did that. I'm glad sure. you, you caught that. Cause it is a good thought. Cause I know if you yeah. took it like that, somebody else might be taking it the wrong way too.
0: Yeah. But I pe- something. People like that are awesome. You know, if I bet you, you learn from that. I mean, you remember it right now. I do yep. too. It stings a little bit, you know, but those are conversations you don't forget. So if someone comes with like the truth, but they package it in love, like that's what Christians, I think that's what people respond to best. So that's a great example of that.
1: So when you know someone doesn't believe or maybe is struggling with their faith big time, like they have a particular sin that seems to keep them away from the, the absolute truth. Do you tell them the truth about their sin first or do you share the gospel first? Or is there some type of order you try to go about doing this?
0: Ooh. Yeah, man. I don't know that I have a script. I uh, mm-hmm. Every conversation feels so different, doesn't it? Yeah. Like sometimes people just seem like they're really struggling and kind of a tender heart. And then I kind of might lead towards tenderness. Some people just seem like brash and bold and I don't give a rip, And here's what I'm doing. <laughs> so I, I feel like my... I try to read the room as best I can and respond in kind.
1: Got you. So since you're the pastor, though, do they look at part of the church, like the capital C, and therefore they don't trust the, the church truth with that? Or how do they view it when you give it to them? Is it mm-hmm. is it their is it like that their truth or my truth, or is it a, uh, a church truth?
0: Yeah. Are you asking if like, well, you're the pastor, but churches are wrong, too. So who are you yep. going to say that I'm that kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love. So I work uh, here at our church in Appleton, uh, closely with another pastor, uh, Pastor Michael Ewart is his name. And he teaches our kind of crash course. If you want to learn about Christianity, learn about our church. Uh, he teaches that throughout the year. And I love, love, love. He does this constantly is as he's teaching about God or forgiveness or Jesus or the Holy Spirit or sin. He, it's like a, like a broken record where he says, I really want you to open your Bible and make sure that this is right. Like, Mm -hmm. just because I think it, or I really believe it, or this church, that doesn't make it right. There's, there's a hundred different churches that would say a hundred different things about the Holy spirit, right? So just the fact that you're in a building that has a cross on it doesn't make it true. And so he is always pushing people back to the Bible, like get into the Bible, make sure I'm not twisting this, taking it out of context and people pick up on that. You know, I'm not there in the class, but I'll hear people say all the time, you know, Pastor Michael's always saying that we should challenge him and that we should open our Bibles. So I, I think he he sets the tone that just because you believe it or feel it or think it or are offended by it or like that doesn't make it true. Yeah, that's just that could be anything. So get get back to the source,
1: because Jesus says, Father, your word is what is true. So, yeah, that, that church is true. That's probably the favorite episode or favorite title episode that I think that when I was like, Oh, what is this about? Mm. Is there ever a church truth that you feel like you have to refute and show someone what God's actual truth is? Like, what's the biggest one that pops up in your head that people like, this is a church truth. You're like, well, that's not biblical. Or that's not really absolute truth. For sure.
0: Yeah. I had a Bible study last night and my answer actually came up from a a woman who was sharing a story. She, she works uh, in HR. With kind of a ministry-minded uh, community service organization, and so she has to decide a lot on are we going to hire a person or not. And she said how frequently like someone will they won't get hired for whatever reason, and then they come back at her hard like no that God told me that I was supposed to work here.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So I, I felt I felt God leading me. I, I felt like I had a calling to serve people here. She's like, I don't know what you felt, but <laughs> yeah, you're definitely not the, the most qualified candidate. So I think that idea that because you feel it, that's God speaking to you. You know, we call it a whisper or a nudge or God was leading me or God was guiding me. And there, there's no, I mean, how would you prove that to be true? Yeah. Like, how do you know that's not your own ego or what you want or the devil leading you away from God's plans? You have no objective standard besides I just felt it within me. Well, uh, I don't know. Where in the Bible does it say
1: trust your feelings?
0: Yeah, so I think that's you, the one.
1: How, but how do you how do you um trust your gut or trust the spirit and know that it's not just your feelings? Like, how is that? How would you recommend someone doing it? Because it it does talk about, you know, sometimes letting the spirit guide you. I think there is something with actually going with your gut from time to time. But then there's something about going with your feelings that's like, this is jacked up. This is not God's way at all.
0: Exactly. It's too uncertain, right? So when people listen to these sermons, what they're going to find is, should you follow your gut? The answer is maybe, but maybe not. Should you listen to your, your pastor? Maybe. Or maybe not. Should you listen to your closest friends? Cause they kind of see what's right. Maybe. So it's not that it's absolutely right or wrong. It, the problem is that it's so uncertain.
1: Yeah. And so well, I don't want to hear that. I want a concise,
0: clear answer. But, I want to
1: hear God's voice. Like Mike do this.
0: <laughs> he hasn't provided that. Like if he, he would have put a passage in there. If he was like that adamant about where you should work or where you should live. Like that's, I had a great uh, college religion professor who said he was this older guy, bachelor, really German. And he said, uh, gentlemen, when you stand in front of your closet and try to decide, does God want me to wear the black pants or the blue pants? God can bless you in either pair of pants. (laughs) So it's his way of saying like, God, God hasn't given an opinion on this. And so if you want to work here, Go work there and God will be with you or go work at the other place and God will be with you. Take this job. Take that one. Take this calling or that one. Like God, you don't have to follow your gut or try to read some invisible whisper or sign. Just do what you can do. And he'll be with you.
1: Those are the things we get caught up on. So like, let's say I wear the blue pants and I don't get the job. All of a sudden I hate blue pants.
0: And it's like, really, this was a
1: job you weren't supposed to get. You were to wear the black pants. You still wouldn't have got the job, but we don't want to associate and say that. So we got to blame it on something else besides it being like, it yep. just wasn't meant for me to be. Yeah. It just wasn't meant to be. And that's okay. Yeah. So what, what is the hardest group of people for you to, to talk to and personally hear the truth from about yourself?
0: Mm. Like, are you saying who confronts me? Who yep. am I least likely to listen to? Mm-hmm. Mm. Can I say all of them? <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um maybe two groups of people you know as much as you want to be humble and open to feedback i think there's two groups of people one are the people whose criticism outweighs their compliments 10 to 1 In the same boat as you
1: man you never got something positive to say but you always got to point out the negative
0: exactly oh. I, and i've done that like i'm like man I look at my email file and you've never said something nice about one of my sermons, but when you're ticked, you'll stay up for two hours, typing me like a marathon book report. Like, is that how this is going to work? No. Like I just got to be perfect all the time. And you're going to be my judge like that. That's hard to have an open mind to criticism. Number 12, when no one's shown you love or compassion, mm-hmm. um, you know, God smacks us around with his law. But he's famous for his tenderness, his forgiveness, and his grace. So much easier to take it from God because he's so positive when he speaks to us as his kids. But man, when someone's just a critic, you just want to hit. I've had that. There there was a guy who would just write me epic letters all the time. He wasn't from around here. He watched Time of Grace. And after a while, I'm like, he he doesn't give a rip. So I just put his letters right in the garbage. I wouldn't even open them.
1: Yeah. But have you ever found one where, let's say... 10 10 different criticisms, but then you look and you like the last two actually are legit. Mm. And maybe you didn't want to make them legit because this person just sucks though. They're not, I just, sure. (laughs) I I can't stand this person, but dang, maybe they have a point. Have you ever faced that or? Sure.
0: Yeah. Sometimes there's a, there's a kernel of truth in things. I think about my worst critics over the years and that they weren't entirely wrong. You know, they were proud and cruel about it sometimes, but there's, there's almost always a kernel of truth in something. Um, so yeah. I, how about you? What's the,
1: yeah, that is a kernel of truth, <laughs> a kernel of truth. Um, Yeah. I think it's sometimes just trying to take the emotion out of it and just be very black and white with it and not take it personal, even though it's so hard not to take it personal when everything is a personal attack, it feels like, mm-hmm. or it, it really is a a personal thing. And sometimes it's just more so understanding, like you said, to decipher and weed out and just focus on the part that, all right, this probably could use some improvement or this was not something I handled the best way Hmm. versus looking at the person who it came from. So almost playing a trick in my mind, like, all right, if this person did love me and they did care for me, Hmm. how would I take this? Oh, I like that. But it's tough because this is definitely tough. So most people don't have anything positive to say. You're just (laughs) looking for something, man. Man. Looking for something to complain about. I know. But then I find myself doing the same thing,
0: you know, as hey, just I just want well, to have some feedback here to make this better. <laughs> like, oh man, yeah. but am I ever that guy who is like nitpicking little things and they think I'm the critic instead of the encouraging person? So that's a that's hard to look in the mirror and think when you're on the other side of it, it just feels so natural.
1: Yeah. I um I think doing the podcast helped me a lot with that because there used to be a person on TNT that I won't say his name, but he was just horrible to me. And I probably used to just go on Twitter like, dude, his commentary sucks. He says the most Captain Obvious stuff. Like, he just made – Giannis just made a layup. And I was like, uh. <laughs> But now, being in the game a little bit, I'm like, all right, I'm not going to come at him anymore because he's trying. Sometimes it's just harder than it looks. So I would hold back my critiques. But, man, I could not – when I wasn't doing the podcast before that, I would get on Twitter like, dude, he's horrible. It's yeah. horrible, but now it's like, yeah. let me chill out. Let me cut him a break.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Armchair quarterback is a yeah. very popular position.
1: <laughs> yep, so, definitely yeah. So, yeah.
0: It's just a good prayer. You know, God, give us a humble heart. It, uh, with, without humility, relationships blow up. And with humility, we really grow and get better. So, yeah, please give us that every day.
1: Now, there are people who, who don't like Christianity because they look at it and they say man Christianity is so absolutely arrogant. Like how dare you say that this person is going to go to hell or how dare you say your way is the only way to possibly receive eternal life. Like what is your response to that to that group of people who says this type of thing like Christianity is arrogant. You are an arrogant pastor. Mm-hmm. You're only preaching one way. When mm-hmm. all these good you're telling me this good person over here who did this this and this is going to go to hell or Mm -hmm. This person right here, who I know is an awesome loving person, is still not going to make it if they don't believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior? Mm -hmm. How would you respond to that?
0: Uh, How about this? If you think Christianity is arrogant, then you think Christ is arrogant. And I think that's kind of arrogant. if this is just like my church truth or something that I th- I'm just making this up because you got to be part, like, for sure, that would be arrogance. If, if I'm just repeating the things that Jesus said, like John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. Um, you, Hey, man, do you, I mean, I want to say it gently, but I would say, just be courageous. Are are you saying that Jesus was wrong and you're right? Yeah, I mean he, that's what he said. I'm just trying to repeat what he said because I'm a follower. That's what it means to be a Christian is to believe that Jesus has the truth. So, and then I'd take it deeper. So why? I mean, Jesus did say that. Let me show you right here in this book. So why why do you think he said that? Why aren't there other ways besides his way? So I don't want to get into like, well, these are good people. Oh well, what mm-hmm. do you define as a good person? Do you think they ever lie or are defensive or proud or think they've ever gossiped or gotten drunk, hurt someone, talk behind their back, stolen? Are those good things? Oh, so what? how, how exactly do you define a good person? Well, but you're
1: saying you're better than me, though?
0: Uh, yeah, I would come back to no, that's why I'm a Christian. Okay. <laughs> I feel like I, I, I couldn't get there on my own. So that's why I run to Jesus, because he said there's a way for people like me. So you might think it's arrogant of him. I, I think it's merciful of him to say that people who haven't been good can actually end up in a better place because of what he did. So uh, if, yeah, what about you... the
1: people that don't, don't trust the credibility of where you're getting your information from, which is the Bible. And they say, maybe the interpretations are messed up or over the thousands of years, men have messed it up and yep. manipulated it and try to condition you.
0: Yep. Yeah. I
1: might go in two directions.
0: Um, C.S. Lewis way back in the day, the Chronicles of Narnia guy, He said, the best way to show someone how strong a lion is, is to just let it out of the cage. So, you know, instead of these kind of intellectual, this, this, and this interpretation history, like I I could do that. I might go there or I can just say, well, hey, have you read the Bible? Well, no, but it's it's, it's like, okay, well, before you critique it, maybe you should read it. And can I read it with you? And let's see what happens. I've actually seen people become Christians through that way. Mm-hmm. They like started reading it to prove it wrong. And then in the process, like, oh, oh, <laughs> and the lion of the tribe of Judah surprised them with his uh, with his power and his love.
1: It's hard to deny facts, but sometimes people do have their hearts hardened in a way. Yeah. Like I had yeah. a student who was talking about the Bible's interpretation is messed up and there was nothing about this particular topic. So I said, all right, what Bible do you use? Couldn't name it. And I was like, "Well, could you show me where this is at?" Mm, and then yep. I just got just got ticked off and just walked away from me. It's like, "All right, love though. Like, don't be mad at me because you couldn't prove where you. I don't know what you were trying to prove or where you got this from, but yes, I don't know if you were watching Instagram and saw some little quick video or something, but yep. that was a lie. Yep, it was a whole lie. Per-
0: perfect answer. Yeah, I think putting it back into people's courts because they're just repeating, they're just repeating the things they've heard without understanding them. Yeah. So yeah, making them like, "Hey, help me understand why you think that." And often, often people can tell like they don't have any ground to stand on. They've just been saying things that they've heard. But when someone loving and intelligent pushes back, it'll get the argument proves hollow. So I think there's a there's a humble, compassionate way to do that, and it's brilliant. So I like what you did. Yeah.
1: So hold up, are you are you comfortable? I don't know if comfortable is the right word, but have you gotten used to kind of speaking biblical truth? And then people leave in the church because it offends them.
0: Mm. Oh man, CL. So I
1: didn't want to say comfort because yeah, nobody's ever really comfortable with that. But I
0: I mean, I wish this wasn't true, but I really like being liked. Mm-hmm. It, it feels good when church is full. When there's like all these empty seats, like, uh, so yeah, definitely not comfortable. I, I have been in a couple of situations. One just recently at our church, where um, there's something going on in our community, and the community group had to decide if they wanted to be associated with us anymore. Yep. And um, we just had really healthy, honest conversations. I felt we weren't cowards about, yeah, here's what we teach about this topic, but we were super like approaching it humbly and trying to listen. Trying to be compassionate, taking time. And at the end of the day, when this group said, sorry, like we can't get on board with her at as a church. It actually felt really good because I, I looked back and I thought, there's nothing that we could have, there's nothing we could have done better in that situation. They weren't mad at us. It's not that we were being jerks. It's just that they didn't, they didn't like the stuff the Bible said. So yeah. we had to choose between their approval or Jesus's.
1: And I'm really glad we chose Jesus. Oh, that's a tough one, though. Choosing between someone's approval, sometimes that you love or you feel like you need, versus God's approval. Yeah, that's a tough one. That's a hard it, one. It is.
0: Yeah, and if someone's listening who struggles with that, um, read John chapter fifteen. <clears throat> if the world hates you, it's not you they hate. You're just the you're just the mailman bringing the mail from heaven. Like, yeah, it, it's the father. One. Yeah. I threw
1: your lob and didn't even try to throw your lob on that one. <laughs> John fifteen, you said though. John fifteen, yeah. Oh, that's yeah.
0: A good one. So dig into that. It's it's so much better to have the father and the son's approval than your buddy, your girlfriend, your parents, whoever. Like at the end of the day, they're going to be gone, and you're going to be with God forever, and He's going to be like, "Yeah, I saw
1: that." Yeah, I think the harder, the younger you are, sometimes the harder that is because you feel like, "Man, mm-hmm. she's so fine. I'm never going to get her back," or "He's so good looking. I'll." Never find another one like him. And it's really like, they're not that good anyways. Keep it moving. Keep, <laughs> Keep it, it moving. moving. <laughs> now, I think this is my last question. I think you talked about this on your second episode, Their Truth. And maybe it was like an iron sharpened an iron type of concept. Mm. Who do you listen to from a spiritual standpoint to try to make sure that you are sharp and speaking the truth that you need to speak?
0: Oh, can I say the Holy Spirit? Yeah. I just follow my, I just go with my gut, CL.
1: So I guess I have a question. You. How, do you, how do you get in, in tune or how do you feel like the Holy Spirit and you have that relationship or, or why? <laughs>
0: yeah, this has just changed for me. So I've been working on uh, speaking better Spanish. So I just stopped reading all of my books. I unsubscribed from all of my podcasts and I'm only immersing myself in Spanish right now. Um, so the answer has changed. But if I, if I backtracked a couple of months, um, I always love listening to James Hine, who's done some stuff with Time of Grace. He's a pastor in Milwaukee. Yep, I like him too. Yeah, he's just intelligent. He's thoughtful. I think he has a big heart for people who don't believe the Bible just yet. Um, I think he's honest about the, the cost of discipleship. I don't think he presents an easy Christianity. So that makes me trust him more when someone's mm-hmm. not just like it- itching my ears, but is like, ooh, ooh, okay, that's going to be hard. But yeah, he's right. That is what Jesus said. So I think that makes me lean in. Um, across the Mississippi River from me here in Wisconsin, there's a he's a retired pastor now named John Piper. He had like I'm a podcast. Yeah, he's like a he had a, a Ask Pastor John as the name of his podcast, and people would write in questions, and you could just tell he had he would open his Bible to give answers. So he wouldn't just riff it. He wouldn't just share interesting stories. Like he was so dedicated to let's let the Bible answer this question. And so I always thought that was interesting as hearing someone respond with an open Bible instead of just a gift for speech or rhetoric. So yeah, those two guys really had my attention for a long time.
1: Do You think the average pastor gets too busy to the point where they don't listen to anyone else? And it's like they they definitely study the word, but they don't ever hear other pastors preach or other uh, pastors um break down the word in a way. Mm. That's a great question. Like when you talk to your pastor friends, do you ever ask them like, who are you listening to, or do you yeah. do you watch anyone else?
0: Well, what I've noticed is i'm I'm wired as a a book reader, a podcaster. I mean, I get up in the morning, I brush my teeth to podcasts, I shower to podcasts, I work out to podcasts, I drive to podcasts, right. I run to podcasts. So I'm like, I love that stuff, reading books, going to conferences. Not everyone is wired like that. Yeah. so I don't, I think podcasts and YouTube and stuff make it a lot easier than it used to be. I mean, before, if you're a pastor in a country church, it was kind of hard to hear other people preaching. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's increasing. I mean, the problem is now, how do you find a really good voice? Because as you know, there's a, <laughs> a million and 17,000 podcasts out
1: there for a person to listen to. So it's, it's finding the right one. Yep. It is a lot of content out there. A lot of information. Some so true. truth. And some half truths. Yeah.
0: Hey, before we wrap up, let me throw the question back at you. Who do you, uh, when you're thinking of people who kind of sharpen you, shape you, who's, uh, who's got your ear right now?
1: Oh, man, I, I switch it up. I listen to you. I listen to, to Jeremy too, Jeremy Maddox, especially since he's with my old, old pastor. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, stuff will come across like a, a Michael Todd that I listen mm-hmm. to, uh, James Hine from St. Marcus, I listen to him as well. Throw in some Tony Evans. I think it's somebody it's probably someone I'm missing oh Charles Stanley my mom Mm. sends me a lot of stuff on Charles and Andy Stanley and then let me see is there anybody else I'm missing yeah I think that's it but you know sometimes I feel like especially when you like certain things on Instagram or Twitter they pop up so I'll even get like some Stephen Furtnick stuff popping up Mm. I'll get um yeah a bunch of different stuff like that. Oh yeah. It's a good pastor too in, in Milwaukee by the name of Kenneth Locke. I think he's like the Bucks chaplain. I listen okay. to him. So okay. Yeah, it's, I think I got like a, a roster of people that I listen to.
0: Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Just having different voices. You're not, you're not going to agree with
1: everything you hear from
0: everyone. So as long as we can listen with open Bibles, it, it's, it's cool to hear different people from different backgrounds, different styles preaching. I always love the diversity of voices in that way.
1: Yeah, that's a great point you just brought up, too, about listening with an open Bible, because sometimes there will be something I'm like, "Uh, let me go check that out. And then that Mm. forces me to get in the word. That might force me to text you or text a different pastor buddy like, hey, what did you what do you think about this? Show me where it says it's in the Bible or refute this from So That definitely does keep you sharp And listening with an open Bible is real. Yeah. Something we got to do. Boom. Sanctify them by the truth. Jesus says your word, Father, is truth.
0: All right, CL, before I say goodbye to our friends here, um, it's 2022. Is there some big thing coming up in your life that you're super Besides your one-year anniversary, what's going on in 2022 for you?
1: I, I do not know. There's um I'm just living. I was going to joke around and say maybe a baby, but that could actually happen. But I, I don't know. I, I don't have any <laughs> big plans. I'm just trying to go with the flow right now and see what God has in store for me. <laughs> what's your wife's name again? Nicole.
0: Nicole. If, Nicole, if you're listening, we just can... Can the the listeners today suggest some baby names for CL and Nicole? (laughs) I would be funny. I always do that with uh, pregnant couples at our church in in Luke chapter one, when John the Baptist is going to be born, like the community comes together to try to name the baby. So I always try to pull that that on people like, Hey, in the Bible, you know, the church kind of got together to name the baby. So what do you say? (laughs) And I, I throw out some obscure old Testament names and no pregnant woman thinks that joke is very funny. You going with Esther or something? (laughs) Habakkuk, Mordecai, Nehemiah. There's a a New Testament woman named Dorcas, but that one never, (laughs) that never gets anywhere.
1: It's a dirty name.
0: (laughs) All right. On that note, CL and I are out of good things to say. Hey, thanks uh, CL for being here. Good talking with you today. Uh, Thanks everyone at home for listening. I hope there was just a snippet of our conversation today that it's going to be like a little seed uh, that God grows. And obviously what CL and I want more than anything is for you to not just listen to this podcast, but open your Bible and make sure that your life is based on the truth. Um, If you want to go a little bit deeper, there's a brand new resource coming out from Time of Grace. It's a book by our friend, Dr. Paul Kelm, and it's called Truth in Our Time. It's just like we've been wrestling with phrases like my truth or going with your guts. Uh, Dr. Kelm is going to unpack some really common things that are kind of trending in contemporary culture. And then he's going to open a Bible to see, is this true? And so if you're interested, just head to timeofgrace.org and look for the book called Truth in Our Time. Uh, As always, if this was a blessing to you, uh, we'd love a a rating, comment, share, anyone that you know who could hear this. And I hope we can catch you next time on Behind the Scenes, behind the series here at Time of Grace. Have a great day, God bless, and we'll talk to you soon.